Welcome to the Overflow Podcast. We pray you are encouraged by this message. For more info, notes, or other messages, download the Overflow Church app or visit our website at overflowdfw.com. John chapter 15 is really surrounded by the in the last week of Jesus' life. In the last week of Jesus' life, he goes into Jerusalem, and they are having uh, this moment called the triumphal entry. So here's Jesus' life for three years, his ministry. Finally, at the end of his earthly ministry, the end of his life, Jesus is coming into town, and finally they're treating him like a king, right? They put him on a kind of a horse. They put him on like a small horse or a donkey. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? And the people are shouting out, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. And they're all ushering in Jesus. They're all excited. Yes, Jesus, finally. He's the one. He's the one. He's the one that's coming in. And so they have this moment called the triumphal entry, which actually begins Passion Week. Are you guys with me? Passion Week is the week that Jesus died. And in that is where Jesus teaches us this story uh, of John chapter 15, and he talks about, I'm the vine and you're the branches. But it says this in Mark chapter 11, if you guys are tracking with me today, Mark chapter 11, it says, the next day as they were leaving Bethany, Jesus was hungry. Wow. Jesus was hungry. How many of y'all have been hungry before? How many of y'all are hungry right now? All right. So it says this, seeing in the distance a fig, tr- a fig tree and leaf, he went out to find out if it had any fruit. When he reached it, he found nothing but leaves. Uh-oh. I mean, that's not good when Jesus is looking for something and he can't find it. <laughs> right? When he reached it, he found it had nothing but leaves because it was not the season for figs. Then he said to the tree, may no one eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard him say it. Most translate now this translation here, the uh, NIV kind of softens it up. Most translation says this, that Jesus cursed the tree. I, I think that that means like Jesus cussed at the tree. I know that none of y'all would like to see that. But Jesus saw the tree and he's like, dang it. Probably not that. But he said something and he cursed the tree. May no one ever bear fruit from you again. Why? Because Jesus was desiring something that was destined to happen in the tree, but it wasn't producing what was there. Come on. How many know that Jesus got a little frustrated? I think the disciples probably had this look on her face. You got that? Right? Have you all seen that? I mean, they were sitting out of text, they're like, whoa, Jesus. I mean, come on, Lord. Could you act a little bit more like Jesus? Right? Right? Are you guys with me? I mean, Jesus just, Jesus just cut, cursed out. A, a fig tree. A tree. It wasn't even a person. It wasn't even a rotten, mean person. It's a poor little harmless fig tree. Hey, look at the little tree. I'm hungry. Let's go to the tree. He shows up at the tree. The tree has no fruit. And he curses it. Dang it, tree! May no one ever eat fruit from you again. The other story says that immediately the tree withered up. Why? I mean, come on, Jesus. I mean, Jesus gets out of character, right? I mean, whenever we think, what would Jesus do? Think that Jesus could curse a fig tree. What would Jesus do? He would curse a fig tree. So next time you go to a restaurant, just kidding. I mean, seriously, I mean, if you were the disciple, wouldn't you like want to hold Jesus accountable at that minute? Be like, hey, Lord, I think it's... You, you were a little bit hard on that fig tree today. 
I mean, it wasn't bearing fruit, but now it will never bear fruit. And he's like, yeah, I know, because I was hungry, and it was not producing. Now, I did a little study this week on this tree. I mean, I mean, I mean surely Jesus knew. I mean, didn't he create the tree? Because it says it wasn't the season yet for figs. Uh, the King James Version says this, that the time of figs was not yet. So doesn't it seem a little unfair that Jesus, who created the tree, knew how the tree folk, uh, uh, functioned, curses the tree for not bearing fruit. I mean, doesn't that seem a little uncool? I mean, come on, Jesus, you created the tree. In fact, Jesus probably could have spoke and figs would have came, would have came out. But why was Jesus so frustrated? Now, what you got to understand about fig trees is this. We got a little picture of some fig trees right here. Now, this over here, this picture on the left or on your app, it's at the top picture, is those are figs in full bloom. This is what figs look like. Now, most of us, you know, are under... Uh, 80 years old, so we don't eat very many figs. Um, We eat fig newtons. We eat fig newtons by the sleeve, right? Okay, so anyway, we like fig newtons. That's figs. What do you, what do you, fig? Those are like in fig newtons, right? So we like those. This is what figs look like. Now, we don't really eat figs in America much. Does anybody in here eat figs much? Okay. All right, cool. Well, I, I need to get in on that, I think. So, before, listen, figs, fig trees produce a lot of fruit. They, in fact, they produce about 10 months out of the year. Okay? But they were going into bloom here. Now, when a fig tree gets leaves on it, it comes with these little buds. You guys see those little buds right there? Those are immature figs, and people that live in the Middle East call them to quash. All right? So I studied this out this week. So this is what happens when they have leaves... These immature figs have to quash on them. And that's what they call them. And what would happen is peasants and other people that would come along and see these trees, they would actually eat these things. If it didn't belong to them, they would come and they'd pick them. A lot of them would fall off before they ever became figs. And they would eat these things. And they weren't as good as figs, but they still had some nutritional value and they could satisfy your hunger. So when Jesus actually saw this tree, he wasn't really looking for figs. He was probably looking for to quash. But the thing was, is... There was no toquash there. So not only was there no fruit, there was no potential for fruit. That's why Jesus was frustrated. Can I tell you today that Jesus isn't frustrated at you because your fruit is immature. He's only frustrated because there's no potential for fruit. And can I tell you today that he's not frustrated at you because you're here today. And because you're here today, there's potential for fruit. Everybody say, he's not mad, but he does get frustrated. So the frustration was not that there were no figs or mature fruit, but that there was no potential fruit. Now, how many know that we're not called to a fruitful season? We're called to a fruitful life. Everybody say that. I'm called to a fruitful life. You're called to a fruitful life. You're not called to a fruitful season. Now, listen, I understand, and me too, me too. I have seasons where I'm more fruitful than others. In fact, let's be real. Sometimes it's easy to bear fruit. You know what I'm saying? Like when all the bills are being paid, whenever the house is clean, when the children are behaving, that's easy. It's easy to walk in and be like, the peace of God is here. Right? 
I just, I just sense the spirit of the Lord because everything is just the way I like it. And it might go for a season like that. And it's so easy. It's so easy all the time. But how many know that sometimes we get into life and the season's hard and the season's difficult and we're like, oh, I know that I need to have joy in my life, but it's just not coming. Sometimes it's difficult to bear fruit. But can I tell you today that you can bear fruit, and God made it so that you can bear fruit in every season. Not just when the season's easy. Come on. Not just when the road is smooth, but in every season. I got to be honest with you. We've been doing this building. We've been working up to this weekend for two months for this building to be done. I'm exhausted. I mean, I've worked my rear off for two months. And I got to be honest, I haven't really bared the best fruit in this season. But you know what? I know that I can. Because I'm connected to the vine. And it hasn't been easy, man. But sometimes I have to remind myself, Josh, it's not about how, what's going on around you that decides whether you're joyful. It's not what's going on around you that decides if you're full of peace. It's not what's going on around you, whether you act like you're righteous or not. The fact is, you are full of joy. Because there might not be joy on the outside, but there's joy on the inside. And there might not be peace on the outside, but there's peace on the inside. And fruitful means this, is that we're getting what's going on on the inside, on the outside. Because how many know that apple, that fig tree, that little fig, that tequash was always a fig. It wasn't mature yet. Not everybody wants to eat tequash, but it was still fruit. And it might be immature. Listen, you might be mature. And don't compare your fruit to somebody that's mature. Don't compare your fruit to somebody that's been seasoned to the Lord for 30 years and then their bills aren't paid and then they're still happy about it. Don't, don't compare your fruit when it's a little bit more difficult to somebody else's. Just have a little bit of fruit. Now, don't be satisfied with a little bit of fruit. Come on, are you with me? We, we can't be sad because we're, we're, we're supposed to have fruit that lasts, fruit that remains. We're supposed to be fruitful, not just mm, little fruit. Don't be satisfied with your little fruit, but understand this is where I'm at in my process. So stop comparing yourself to someone who's in the Lord 30 years when you've only been in the Lord for three minutes or three weeks or three years. So seasons change. But how many of you know that we live from glory to glory, not from season to season? Jeremiah chapter 17 says this, Blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and confidence. They are like trees planted along a riverbank, whose roots that reach deep into the water. Such trees are not bothered by the heat or worried by long months of drought. Their leaves stay green. And they never stop producing fruit. See, the reason why we can always produce fruit, no matter what season we're in, is because we're well connected to this river called life. And we got a river that feeds us continually. The only seasons, the only seasons that we don't bear fruit is when we're not connected to the river. Our fruit is not dependent 
upon our season, but upon our depth of connection. Let me say that again. Our fruit is not dependent upon the season that we're in, but the depth of our connection. If you ask yourself this morning, why aren't I more fruitful? The reason why you're not fruitful is because you're not deep. If you're in the Lord for three years and you don't have a little bit more fruit, a little bit more self-control than you did three years ago, it's not because you're in a bad season. It's because you have no depth. Can I just be your pastor for a minute and say this? If you're still dealing with that the same or even worse than you were three years ago, it's not because of what's going on around you is difficult. It's because you're shallow. But I can tell you, those roots can reach just like that because the river's here. The river's here, and you can get well connected. Here we go. John 15. I am the vine. You are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. How many of y'all want much fruit, not just one fruit? Right? Because some of those, some of that fruit in your life, right? Some of that like works well with your personality. Right? I, th- I think about Nathan over here. He's just so patient. Some of that's the way he is. Some of it's because he's in the Lord, right? And I'm like, oh man, I just need to, I just need to be more patient. But how many know there's, there's more than just patience? And we're going to talk about the fruit of the Spirit later on in this series. But there's much fruit. It's not just one good characteristic. Don't be satisfied with your one good characteristic. Come on. I'm really good with patience, but I stink at joy. I'm really good at patience, but I stink with self-control. No, much fruit. Much fruit. Y'all all right? Apart from me, this is important, apart from me, you can do nothing. Oh. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into a fire and burned. But if you remain in me, if you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit. Fruit is for him. He's a farmer. He wants fruit. The reason why you're connected is because he wants fruit. Showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love. Just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. I told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. So when Jesus tells you this, be fruitful, he's not trying to say, I want you to just feel miserable about this. You need to bear more fruit. He's going, no, this is your destiny. I want your joy to be full. I want you to be excited about bearing fruit, not frustrated by how much fruit's not showing up. If you just stay with me, you'll produce fruit. The problem is you get in the way. But if you just come over here, and spend some time with me, you'll be fruitful. The problem is you won't come close. You're, you're talking about how bad everything sucks, and you're just talking about how everything's just rotten in your life, and you wish that everything would change. I'm telling you, it doesn't matter what's going on out there. If you would just stay connected, you would be fruitful, and it wouldn't matter what happens out there. 
And I want you to be excited about it. Your joy will be complete. Complete joy. <laughs> he wants your joy to be complete. He doesn't, listen, God gets no pleasure out of your misery. I know that the religious spirit tells you that, that, that if that there's some kind of merit with you being like sorrowful about it and being like hating to do it, but still do it. I'm sacrificing. There's no merit to that. Well, if you're miserable and you serve God, you get some kind of extra points for that. That's not the way it works. He wants your joy complete. Complete joy. Complete. Some of us just want partial joy. He wants complete joy. Okay. Man, I'm preaching today. If y'all preach back, I wouldn't have to preach so hard. All right. All right. Where are we at? Verse 12, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. So he tells us, this is how you remain in me, you obey me. This is my command, love each other. Come on. As I have loved you. Oh, what about when my neighbor does me wrong? Well, how did Jesus love you when you were, he was your, when you were enemies with God? You were my friends. Oh, great. Verse 13, sorry. Greater love has no one than this. This is the greatest demonstration of love that he would lay down his life for his friends. You're my friends. <laughs> you love that? You are my friends. And if you do what I command, if you do what I command, I will no longer call you servants because the servant doesn't know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends for everything. Oh, get this. For everything that I have learned from my father, I have made known to you. Well, no one can know the Lord's plans. Not servants, but friends can. Friends share secrets. Jesus shares secrets with you. Nobody can know God's plan. His friends can. He just is looking for friends to share his secrets with. He wants friends. He don't want servants. Come on. You did not choose me, but I chose you. Uh, Y'all have heard that thing. You can pick your friends. You can pick your nose, but you can't pick your friend's nose, right? Y'all have heard that? Remember when you were a kid? <laughs> it is bad. <laughs> I don't know why I always say that. Nobody ever, everybody's like, no, I never heard that. I'm like, okay, it's just my neighborhood. And so Jesus says, I mean, all of us like to be picked. Remember that cool kid in school when you are like in elementary or junior high and you wanted them to pick you to be their friend and they didn't? Right? <laughs> We all want to be friends with the cool kid. Jesus isn't necessarily the cool kid, but he's like, but he kind of is. And he says this, you're my friends. You didn't pick me, I chose you. You didn't pick Jesus to be your friend. He picked you to be his friend. He said, I want you to be my friend. I want you to be fruitful, and I want you to be my friend. Will you be my friend? Today, we're going to give an opportunity for you to be a friend of Jesus, to be his friend. Because today, he's looking across the room, and he's saying, I want friends. Will you be my friend? You didn't choose me. I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit. He didn't just pick you to be his friend. He picked you to be fruitful. Can I tell you today, he picked you because you could be fruitful. He didn't pick you because, well, maybe it'll work out. 
He picks you because you can bear fruit. Then my father, oh, come on. But he says this, chose you to bear fruit, fruit that will last. Some translations say fruit that remains. Remain? Develop fruit that remains. Fruit that doesn't spoil. Fruit that doesn't fall off the vine. Fruit that lasts forever. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Whoa, crazy. The key to answered prayer, gang, is this. Abiding. Remaining. Staying. Why? Because whenever we stay in God, we know what to pray. When we know God, when we're friends with God, we know his pulse. We know his reality. So when we pray, we're praying, Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I know what to pray. I know the will of God because I'm his friend. I know the secrets of the kingdom because I'm his friend. Then I know what to pray. My prayers are answered. I'm always praying the will of God because I know who my father is. The problem is, is we're praying amiss all the time. We're like, my prayers aren't getting answered. It's because you're not praying what God prays. And when you're praying, you're praying according to need. And he's wanting you to just be connected. This is most, most of us, our prayer life is driven by the need in our life. What God wants to friends, people that were do their life with him, then what they pray is what's on his mind. We could go real deep right there. If you remain in him and you spend enough time with his presence, you will know what God's desires are. And when you pray, you're praying what he actually wants you to pray that he wants to answer. So many of us, the only time we ever spend any time with God, the only time we ever pray is whenever there's an urgency in our life. We don't know what the heart of God is, so we don't know what to pray. So let's talk about fruit that remains. I got a little ahead of myself, but here we go. Fruit that remains. So how do we bear fruit that lasts? How many of you want that? You don't want just fruit like, like you, you don't want a season of peace. You actually want that to be the fruit of your life. You want to actually have that, that it's not only good enough for you, but it actually brings peace to the atmosphere. Right? That people could actually be, be at peace because you're in the room. Fruit that remains. Remaining is this, living in connection with Jesus as much as he had with the Father. So remember Jesus says this in, our, in, our, in what we were saying right there, I'll tell you the truth. And then he says this in Matthew 5, uh, John 5, 19. He says, I'll tell you the truth. The Son can do nothing by himself. He does only what he sees the Father doing. Me, doing. Whatever, he, whatever the Father does, the Son does also. So Jesus lived in connection with with the Father. This is the reason why. Now, Jesus is God. We know this. But Jesus lived at such a connection with God the Father that he knew what miracles needed to be performed. He, he, he could release the miracles because he knew that the miracle was there. The miracle was in him because he had this communion with God. The power of God was totally on him. Jesus showed us what it's like to live life in the Spirit. This is what it is, living in connection with God. Are you all with me? This is the kind of connection he's talking about, that we would have this. Again, it's the key to answer prayer. That's what it says, John 15, 7. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given. Why? Because you're in connection. Because you're connected, you know what to pray. You all okay today? 
All right. So how do we develop that lifestyle of remaining? How do I remain? How do I remain? Here he says, verse 5, I'm the vine, you're the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. This is what remaining is not. You do all this work. You go out and you grind your rear off for two months. And at the end of it, you go, to God be the glory. Or, I just want to thank Jesus for this award tonight. That is not remaining. That's giving God credit for something that you did. Is there some merit to that? Sure. That honorable thing to say? Sure. But Jesus isn't interested in you doing stuff for him. That's servanthood. He didn't call you to be his servant. He called you to be his friend. Friends do things together. God doesn't want you at your job being successful and being a hard worker without him. He wants you to be a hard worker with him. When he's there, the blessing comes. It's better. It's fruitful. It's good. The problem is, is we have a devotional life and not a devoted life. We have a devotional life where we spend 10 or 15 minutes, two or three times a week, once a month for some of us, in a moment, and then we go, God, kiss everything that I do today. And he's like, I don't want to kiss everything that you do today. I want you to do it with me. I want to be there and do it with you. And we wonder why we don't have a good attitude some days. Why don't we have the good attitude that day? Because I'm doing it apart from him. Well, this is what Jesus says. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, I don't know about you. I like when people recognize what I do. Don't you? I mean, don't, if we're just honest, we like when people recognize what we do. I like when someone's like, hey, give me a high five. Josh, good job, man. You did really good. You did really good. We all like that. We all like to be praised by people. But the thing is, is that I could be a hard worker. I could be diligent. I could be skilled. I can be excellent. I could be really something, right? So all of us have a skill. I could do all that. But the thing is, if I'm just doing it, doing it, doing it, doing it, at the end of it, go, to God be the glory. I have not glorified him in what I've done. I actually did it apart from it, and I get at the end of it, and everybody's going, yeah, yeah, Josh. And he's going, apart from me, you can do nothing. You did nothing. Because you did it apart from me. You did it on your own. Good job, I guess, but you can do nothing. So it doesn't matter how many people sit around and praise us and applaud us and tell us or how many raises we get or how big our house is or any of that, any of the accolades of man or that this world could offer. It doesn't matter. At the end of my life, I'm going to stand before Jesus and he's he going to go, yes, we did it together because you were well connected. Or is he going to look at me and go, you did nothing. But Lord, I made lots of money. I fed orphans. We didn't do it together. You all right today? got quiet up in here. No matter what the world calls success, if we do it apart from him, in God's eyes, it's nothing. We might call it fruitful. Sometimes we'll call it blessed. Oh, it's so blessed. Look at what I did. I'm so blessed with all these gifts and all these abilities. And he's going, you can do nothing. Will you get it? No matter how skilled you are, no matter what traits I put in you, I didn't put those in you so you could do it independently of me. I gave that to you so we could do it together. I want partner friends. Y'all okay? 
So Jesus is impressed with your skill level, your work ethic, your talent. He's not impressed what you can do on your own. What he wants from you is a life connected with his pulse and a will yielded to his flow. What he wants from you is a life connected to his pulse and a will yielded to his flow. And then you're starting to see work miracles happen at work. Because you're doing what only you can do with him, and then he's doing what he can do through you. Y'all all right? Friendship. He, wanted, he doesn't want us doing things for him. He wants us doing things with him. He calls us friends. Beloved, he calls us friends, companions, compadres. You're a friend of God if you remain. We're just going to do it together. When Leslie and I planted this church, there was no, I'm going to plant it, and you're going to come and support me. There was none of that. So that's why we don't call Leslie the pastor's wife. She's the co-pastor. This is a big difference. Why do you do that? Because because I didn't do it on my own, and she plotted me on the way. I said, I need a companion. Let's do this. This is what God's calling us to do. Let's do it together. Let's raise our kids together. It's called companion. And then we see fruit because we did it together. This is what the kind of relationship, the kind of intimacy Jesus wants with us. That we would understand that, Lord, apart from you, I can do nothing. It doesn't matter. It leaves no mark. It's insignificant. Well, raise my kids. and Great. But you did it without him. And it's nothing if you do it without him. Well, it's got to count for something. It accounts for you and the accolades and the credit you can get. But did God really get the glory? Or did you just say that at the end? The word that is used here for the word remain, many translations use the word abide. It means this. It's, the word is mino. The word mino means to stay. To stay. It's like that vine stays connected. The vine doesn't, you don't, you don't take the branch and pull it away from the vine for eight hours a day, and then at the end of the day, go and reconnect. No, it stays there. It stays connected. And many of us, while we have our relationship with God, looks like a few moments of a day or a week, and then we disconnect from God the rest of the time. And we wonder why we're not fruitful. It's because you were trying to do it on your own. You were meant to do it with Him. Are you all with me? In a given place, and it says this, in a given place, state, relation, or expectancy. I love that. To continue to dwell, to live there, to be present, to remain. If we want lasting fruit, then we must stay connected with the everlasting one. If you read this story that we're talking about after Jesus curses this fig tree, he walks up to this temple. This is right after that. He walks up to the temple, and he walks in, and they're not doing anything with God. They're selling stuff and making money. And he said, you've made it a den of robbers. You're ripping people off. But this is supposed to be a place of connection. This is supposed to be a house of prayer for all nations where people come to connect with us. But you've made it a den of thieves. What was Jesus' frustration with the temple, with the religious things? As he says in the book of Amos, he says, quit singing your songs. Quit doing your dance. Quit doing all this stuff. You're doing it without me. Why was he frustrated? Because they were selling stuff? He wasn't frustrated that they were selling stuff. He probably was, but he was mostly frustrated as they made the house of God 
something it wasn't supposed to be. They were doing it away from him, and he wanted them to do it. He wanted to do it with them. We're a house of God. You're meant to do it with him. He's not the divine dictator. He's the divine partner. Come on, are you with me? God could easily dictate, but he wants relationship. The second area is affection. Affection. Everybody say affection. Now, it'd be easy to look at this text and say, Josh, don't you mean obedience? Yes, it says, it says that, right? If you obey my commands, you'll remain in my love. Just if I have obeyed my Father's commands and remained in his love. He's talking about that connection. So don't you mean obedience? Yes, but not simply obedience, because a lot of times we do all the right things, but we're doing it apart from God. Are you with me? And there's no pleasure attached to it. The command is love. I love what Misty Edwards says. She says, love loves to love, and the reward of love is love. Isn't that so good? Love loves to love. We want to love what we do. We don't want to, I'm supposed to love what I do. God wants you to have that heart. He wants you to have that pulse. He doesn't want you just to be obedient. He wants you to be full of pleasure and affection towards him. Our obedience to God is an act of affection. It's not of a, 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 an act of I have to do this or. You all right? 1 John 5.3. I'll preach this verse for a lot of years. The first part of it says, this is the love for God to obey his commandments. This is how you love God. You obey Him. But, second part there. And, it's not but, it's and. And, this is the love for God. This is how you stay connected with God. To obey Him. And, His commands are not a burden. Other words, God doesn't get merit for misery. You don't get merit for misery. God doesn't want you just to obey Him. He wants you to want to obey Him. He wants when you obey him, when you lay hands on a sick person, he wants you to enjoy doing that. When you say no to looking at pornography, he doesn't, he doesn't, he's not telling you that so you'll behave. He wants you to do it and say, God, this is hard, but you're helping me overcome. And isn't it easier to obey with a heart that's ravished and a heart that's affectionate? Isn't it easier to do it because I love him and not because I have to? I don't obey my wife because I have to. I don't, I, don't, I don't honor our marriage because we made a covenant. Sometimes I have to because it's a covenant. Let's just shoot real, right? All of us, sometimes it does come down. I have to do what's right even though I don't feel like it right now. But I don't, I don't keep the marriage covenant because I'm a good person or because I'm righteous or because I'm strong or solid or even self-disciplined. I do it because I'm in love with this woman. I love this woman. I want to make I want to bring her flowers not because it says I'm supposed to. It's because I want to be affectionate with her. I want to love on her. And so I love on her with hugs and kisses and stuff like that. Come on. But I also love on her with gifts and acts of kindness and these other things. Why? Because that's what love looks like. And this is what God is looking for. He's looking for lovers. So our obedience is not drudgery, it's affection. This is why Jesus said, produce fruit, not works. We work works, we produce fruit. Y'all okay? We're almost done. If you are burdened by obeying Jesus, let me say this right now. If you are burdened by obeying Jesus, you are acting like a slave, not a son. A hireling, not an heir. A laborer, not a lover. 
And God's not looking for laborers. He's not looking for hirelings. He's not looking for slaves. He's looking for sons. He's looking for heirs. And he's looking for lovers. And he's saying, will you just love me? Can we just do life together? Will you stay connected? Don't just give me a little devoted few minutes of your day. Yes, that's important. But give me a life that you just say, man, Lord, it's all about you. And if you are all I want, then I'll have everything I need. Fruit is not forced. Fruit is yielded. It's not like joy. No, it's like joy. How does that happen? By staying connected, by being obedient. And listen, when you experience that, when you start experiencing this kind of affection that God has for you and you start returning that, you start loving people. When you, when you are in love with God, you can't help but love people. When you're connected with Jesus and someone who normally gets on your nerves shows up and you want to get on Facebook and rant about them because they did something that annoys you and you're so much higher and more important than them, so you want to tell the world how much you don't like it, instead of having that kind of attitude, you actually have compassion for them. And you have a tender heart because you're connected to the vine. You freely receive, you freely give. Man, I don't know how anybody loves that person, but God, you love them. But God, you desire them. Fruit that remains. It's interesting, that same word, John 15, verse 16. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. That word, fruit that will last, is this. Fruit that will remain. Fruit that will mean We want to have everlasting fruit, fruit that will not fall off the vine and wither and change from season to season. We just remain. Through obedience, through affection, just staying tuned in by giving God our attention. He don't want your attention when it's just hard. Come on. He don't want your attention just, he wants your attention always. Always, 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 God wants your attention. He's like that guy, you know? You know what I'm saying? Like the kid that always wants attention, right? You guys know what I'm talking about? Like, God God doesn't have ADD. It's not a disorder. But he is attention deficit. Like, people aren't giving him enough attention. We've all got the disorder. Come on. And he's going, I want your attention. I want your affection. This is what he wants. He doesn't just want a lot of lifeless obedience and good Christianity. He wants people to say, God, I'll do my life with you. I'll be connected with you.